I get the pleasure of running production on holidays because we don't like to stop. We run 365 days a year, 21 hours a day. Um, we can't be down, but everyone gets to have time off. So when everyone has time off, I get to go in and run their equipment. And to me, that's a connection that I can't have if we're too big. And so it's important to me to be connected to pretty much every barrel here, but more so to be connected to everybody who works here. Welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and love stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here. Our lives are multidimensional, and that's why the tagline is Live, Work, Love, Colorado. This episode is special. We're here at Law's Whiskey House in the Barrel Room, an amazing facility. I'm surrounded by barrels of whiskey and a live audience. This event was sponsored by Community Banks of Colorado. A huge thanks to Chris Randall and his team there. My guest is Al Laws, CEO of Laws Whiskey House. We'll discuss the business of whiskey, the roles of branding and quality, and Al's fascination with gargoyles and see if they have anything to do with your decision to end a successful career on Wall Street to get into the whiskey business. So we'll talk about that. Al, thanks for joining me and thanks for hosting us here in the barrel room. Glad to be here, Dave. That's quite the intro. You've got this great motto um, around whiskey, craft over commodity, quality over quantity, and whiskey above all. So what does that mean to you? It essentially distills down what we do. It distills down? Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> wow, wow, right? <laughs> uh, it's our mission statement, right? So we're not here to make uh, the most. We're not here to uh, make anything but whiskey. Mm -hmm. And we want to make it in an artful way. Yeah, so what... You know, you have to make some tough decisions to differentiate along that line of craft over, you know, over over commodity and so forth. What kinds of decisions are you making that are examples of that? Well, I think the first thing that we've we chose from the beginning is to focus. So we're not making everything under the rainbow. We make whiskey. We make whiskey that needs to age. We need to um, differentiate ourselves on quality because our competitors are large and small. Um, are very good at what they do. So we needed to be differentiated in what we made and to continue to raise the bar on quality. Yeah. And only focus on whiskey. Yeah. Well, and, and that's part of You have another tagline that's, that's that, right? Yeah, we have a bunch. One yeah. is there are no shortcuts because yeah. we don't take shortcuts in anything that we do here. And um, we're interested in making sure that this traditionally made American whiskey um, has the right name to it and that you know we respect the tradition in addition to do things that are somewhat innovative yeah. but always pay homage to time that's what mm. our logo is mm. right yeah what do you mean it's your logo our logo is two images that cross each other so it's up and down it looks yeah. like infinity mm -hmm. that's time what we make here takes time mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah. you have to always pay homage to time the, mm -hmm. so, the other stuff that crosses it is continuous improvement do something a hundred times get better at it mm -hmm. art technique all those things. Mm. It's the intersection of time and art and technique mm. and passion. Yeah. So you left Wall Street to do this, and I, I was I'm picturing you one night. You know, you're <sighs> you're you're counting money and you're drinking whiskey, <laughs> and you're like, whiskey, money, money, whiskey. Hey, right? Is that is that how that happened? Yeah. No, not exactly. Not exactly. So uh, Wall Street's kind of a young person's game, and uh, and I'm not that young anymore. And I enjoyed it. I've had the the pleasure in my professional career to never ever work anywhere that I didn't love where I worked or wasn't totally engaged in what I did. And my 15 years in Wall Street and mm. oil and gas was yeah. something I loved. And mm. then 
Um, I was getting too old to work 60 and 80 hours a week. So I had to find the next thing that was passionate about. And passion's a, like a weak word when you look around here. Obsession is probably the better word. Yeah. And but as you got older, you chose something that you have to be patient and age, right? I mean, most of the, yeah. there's a little irony in that. What's well, the yin-yang thing, yeah. right? Like, uh, I have a tattoo on my arm of, of gargoyle leaning over a barrel. I got that one year in because I was huh. not patient. I came from a place that in five minutes when something happened, you needed to be 99% accurate and provide that opinion to an yeah. institutional investors. And that's high pressure yeah. and definitely not patient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Came here. Huh, the stuff that we put in the, in the barrel today, we're not even going to look at for over two years. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a reminder to, hmm. to be patient and just sort of like take hmm. your time. This is in real world time, not Wall Street time. So what, what part of Wall Street did you keep uh, as you were moving forward? Well, nothing happens here by accident, I'll tell you that. And we're an eight-year-old company. Um, in about three weeks, we're putting out uh, the very first six-year-old in commercial quantities, yeah. uh, bourbon in the state, and the bonded bourbon, and it's one of the first in the country. So to us, that's a, that didn't happen because we decided to do that last week. It started in week week two, probably, mm -hmm. and uh, everything that we've planned and all the barrels you're standing around aren't just random. So there's a plan behind them. Yeah, there's a plan, but I, I'm going to go off script because I'm looking through these barrels and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you, you made some of these six years ago, even eight years ago, yeah. and you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what you got in them, right? Like, did you did you do a good job or did, you know, like, what if you suck at this and you're just finding out eight years later? That's a good question. I <laughs> actually get that question quite a bit and people go, well, how, why you? How could you do this? Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm thorough. So I've read every book under the rainbow that I could find or source or anything else. So I was very well prepared in the background of it from fluffy, hey, look at the nice field books to, mm -hmm. hey, here's, the, here's the, chemi the chemical formula for this and you want this out of this. And I did all that. And then I went to Kentucky and tried to see how it's done in a massive scale and, the, you know, massive scale and really high quality product. Mm. And then I met someone there on that tour um, who is a retired individual who became my Yoda, and Yoda is the right term for it because he'd done it for 40 years. He didn't have to take me on as a client or customer because mm -hmm. he's retired and yeah. he was only gonna do it if I did it right. And he never ever answered one of my questions without another question. Oh. So he continually- Like what? Like what? Would, I'll give you an example. Yeah, yeah. On the very first spirit run, which you happen to be sipping out of your glass from barrel one, uh, yes, uh, yeah. everyone. This is, this is barrel one. Yeah, and that's uh, eight years old. And so that, as that was coming off the still, and we were heating up the still, and we're waiting for it to start to flow, and you know, it gets to the point, it starts to flow. I'm excited. It's the very first spirit run I've ever mm -hmm. done in my whole life, and it starts to flow. And mm -hmm. the first part, I don't know how much you know about whiskey, but there's a heads cut. There's all these volatiles that you don't want to drink, like methanol aldehyde, acetone that comes off first. Hmm. Pretty easy to cut that out. Yeah. Then it gets sweeter. And then you're like, okay, you have to make a choice somewhere along here. So I look hmm. over at Bill and said, Bill, um, it's getting close. Like, where do I make the cut? Hmm. Lean back against the still and opened a beer and said, it's your whiskey. Make your own. Really? Can I swear on this? Yeah. Goddamn cut. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it started. So that's oh. a pretty good example of... No, you have to figure this out. Wow. So. so since we're in this room, all these barrels have numbers. Yeah. And 
And Steve Krauske, wherever he went, uh, the marketing director, was explaining to me the other day that each batch has to be formulated by some complex blend. And so do you know what's in these barrels or do you have to, oh, you yeah. have to taste what's in each one? Well, it all starts from grain selection. Like I said, nothing happens by accident. It starts from picking your inputs and paying up for high quality inputs. We're asking to pay a premium price for our product, but we're paying premium prices for all the best grains. Mm. We don't buy these grains from some broker and some commodity that you know came from six different places and might have been in this in the silo for six years. We know the farmers that grow them. We know their ethos. Mm. We know where everything came from. They grow most of the stuff for us. So it starts with the grain, mm. and the grains come from somewhere. They impart flavor. And then everything yeah, else, yeah, every yeah. step along the way, yeah. how you how you grind that grain, how you make it. So by the time you've done it, and we're we're coming up on twenty one hundred barrels of bourbon, we've done this a number of yeah, times in aggregate. In aggregate, wow! Hey, I want to remind listeners: you're listening to Proco three sixty. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is a show featuring entrepreneurs and business leaders who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Al Laws of Law's Whiskey House. This is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, who sponsored this live event. Thank you. Also, my friends at MicroStar Keg Logistics and Kinsley Meetings. Steve Kinsley's around here somewhere. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. So talk about the money piece, because you've got a friggin' lot of money sitting in barrels, just sitting in barrels. Yeah, you're standing in about $20 million wholesale <laughs> oh, of whiskey. Nobody lean back too hard yeah. here, guys. Don't knock them over. <laughs> and don't light anything on fire. No. <laughs> um, yeah, like there's a lot of investment that goes into this, and we took more of, a, I guess, an Asian business model at the beginning. I'm not looking at return on capital for... Uh, my initial investment, uh, there's a price to be paid to be in this business, and this is a tough business. Mm. And I was willing to put my, my not just mine, my, mine and my wife's, mm. $4 or $5 million into this to wow. start it. So, and, and you've got some creative models for financing along the way. For example, yeah. I got right, so talk about those. <laughs> yeah, so you run into things uh, during, the, during your, uh, your dream. And, you know, we, we decided early on, uh, probably about two and a half years in that we didn't want to be in a stock bottle like every other thing in the, uh, you know, on the shelf. We wanted to have, uh, we wanted our whiskey to have a proper house that, you know, differentiated, but also gave it, you know, the honor that it, you know, it's, it's better than how else is we think. So, <laughs> so we spent a bunch of money to come up with our custom packaging and harder mm-hmm. thing, but I didn't have any money left. So um, we sold a bunch of barrels on a forward contract to um, a bunch of my friends who happen to work at hedge funds and have a lot of disposable money, probably falls on them in their office all the time. So it was pretty easy for them to write those checks. So we raised you know, 160000 finished the branding, ordered the new custom models. And there's a number of these type of stories along the way. And yeah. we're sophisticated enough. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm being... Uppity. <laughs> but we understood what a forward contract was and yeah. and to you know put some options into some of those things like options yeah like you can give someone say hey buy 10 of these yeah. clearly you don't need 10 of these to harvest for yourself but we'll pay you a coupon on them and at any given point you can either you know sell them back to us or take your coupon so this is 
Some basic finance, not that complicated. Yeah, yeah, basic finance, but a lot of I, I wouldn't think a lot of guys in the whiskey business are are selling options and no, such on their probably, product. No, I probably didn't, you know, yeah. get it properly written up and make sure that it was a real contract. But my friends did you violate sign, so. SEC rules to do this? No, I did not. <laughs> okay. no, that's a good question, though. Like uh, under certain uh, or over certain limits, there's uh, there's definitely some issue on that. Sophisticated ah. investor always gets me uh, gets me by them. The what? All the, these all the sophisticated investor kind oh. of clause. So they all qualify. So. Oh, they all were sophisticated. Yeah. Got it. So also when you talked about we've talked about you you always wanted to start a business that was the kind of business you wanted, right? Yeah, like I got to really like it. Like I said, like uh, when I worked in oil and gas, I loved it. I loved it. I worked in oil service companies. I loved the technology. I loved how you get it out of the ground, not the oil itself or the gas itself. Same with it. It's just everything that I've ever had to do. That's uh, that's that's yeah. my. Uh, I used to be a, a lobbyist for the oil industry when I was really young. I got to meet mm-hmm. all these people that built their businesses and had to operate in in a government backed and uh, regulated yeah. business. And it was amazing to see their passion and I learned from that. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking too around the way you built your business, the kind of company you wanted to build and run, right? Yeah. The, the intrinsic aspects of it. So talk about that. Yeah, we've had a lot of, of help from uh, really good friends and peers and um, and really mentors. And we've been, you know, there's some of them are here today actually. So, and you know, it, it comes down to what kind of company we wanted to be. Do you want to be a company just about me? No, you know, see me use the term I a lot. And this is a village. Um, we value all the people that are in our company and we ask them to come in to help us grow, but they all have to benefit from that as well. So not too long ago, we've added equity. So every full-time employee at Oz Whiskey House has part of the company hmm. and we've grown that way. And hmm. But we want to most sure to be like a servant leadership company so that everyone mows the grass in front of each other. So it's a much greater place to be a great environment to work in and, and conflicts are very minimal. Hmm. So when you say everybody has equity, is that in barrels? <laughs> well, some of them do. If you had, at five years, we gift you a barrel. Really? Yeah. So one of our employees just moved on to a really great job. There's some he's job here. applications over there. Right? <laughs> and he's been here for six and a half years wow. and, and he harvested his barrel like about a month ago. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. This that was, is. I bet that was it cool. Is, but it's it's what we do. It's spirit. It's a living thing in these barrels. So it's part of who we are. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I I know there's this. You mentioned yin and yang. Maybe that's not the case when it comes to quality and marketing. But I'm always curious when it comes to a brand like this. These beautiful bottles. Like how much of what you sell is based on the quality of your product, and how much of it is driven by great marketing. And really, a beautiful presentation. We should have uh, Steve come up and ask answer that question. But uh, I can. Um, hey, um, Steve, you can come answer that question it, if you want, Steve. It ultimately comes down to the fancy stuff can yeah. get you to pull it off the shelf and perhaps buy it. But if it didn't taste good, you ain't gonna buy it again. And mm-hmm. single purchase is not what we're going after. We're trying to become your lifelong you know, new brand of this era kind yeah. of thing. But you did put a ton of energy into the design of the packaging, right? Yeah. Our, our whiskey deserved it. Like that's his thing. It, you know, you see the, the design is all um, Craftsman era, um, you know, architecturally very simple. And, you know, look at the architecture of the bottle. So it, it suits our branding. Mm-hmm. And it also mm. gives our whiskey a great house to, to rest well, in. Speaking of the house, I'm going to ask you, what does each bottle cost? Um, so like a cheap or regular bottle in spirits is probably around 80 cents. 
and original price on those were like 266. Yeah, yeah. We've since got the price down, but they're still mm-hmm. well, well above what a, an average bottle costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just looks beautiful. We'll pick you it think, up. Holding it is something completely it's, different. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And by the way, what does bottled and bond mean? So bottle and bond is the most stringent whiskey standards uh, in the world, really. Like we don't make anything that isn't straight whiskey. Straight whiskey is a, a US government standard. That means you followed all the standards, and it's really the gold standard, to use that term again, Mm. Um, for whiskey. Bottled and bond is a step above that. It comes from an act from 1897, which was the very first consumer protection law in U.S. history. They went after the whiskey first. Wow, yeah. At the time, um, I believe the U.S. government's, like half of its federal revenue came from taxes on whiskey. So you've got multiple sales channels. Yeah. You've got retail like stores, you've got restaurants and bars, mm-hmm. you've got the, the tasting room, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about too. I mean, what really, what's, do you need all of those? You even go to some shows too, don't you? Like oh, outdoor yeah. shows and festivals and things like that. You were at Cherry Creek, I think. And so, like, yeah, one of our favorite things is people go, oh, you're everywhere. We're like, no, nah, we're everywhere you are. <laughs> you're our target audience. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of thought that goes into where we go with this. Um, yeah, you have to be at like, again, at the price point or even if, because it's new, um, are you going to pull that off the shelf at a liquor store and walk away with it? Or are you going to need to have it poured for you at Tavernetta mm-hmm. and we're in a cocktail? Like, oh, this is really, what is this? Oh, it's this. Yeah. It's a way to put it in people's hands and through great yeah. relationships with um, like bartenders and servers and mm-hmm. restaurants who will then because they've been trained. Yeah. Well, that's a slow process, but I guess yeah, but I guess so. since you've got to age over time and build a cumulative, you know, accumulate inventory over time, do those work together where like you're building your market at the same time as you're building your product availability? Uh, I don't think that the the market isn't really a linear thing. So you got to seed it and you have to grow it in a particular way. We chose to go through um, you know the great people that, that uh, in this in own restaurants and yeah. the service industry mm-hmm. and Bring them in and show them what we do, and get them, uh, you know, excited about what we do, and have them put it in people's hands yeah. and create an emotional connection to it. Hmm. It's an emotional thing. That's cool. Don't drink too much of it, Dave. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I keep eyeing that glass. <laughs> and remind listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and I'm speaking with Al Laws of Laws Whiskey House. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Uh, if, if listeners just heard a swigging sound, it was actually not the bottle and Al, it was something else. So what, is, what is your grand vision for this for this business? It's a great question. Um, it is to build a you know properly based um, national uh, distillery, an independent distillery. Like how big makes well, it... Big isn't really the way I look at it and pretty much how anybody in the village looks at it. Big enough to exist and to survive the whims of fads and everything else, but, you know, small enough to not lose connection to what we do every day. I get the pleasure of running production on holidays and because we don't like to stop. We run 365 days a year, 21 hours a day. Um, we can't be down, but everyone yeah. gets to have time off. Yeah, yeah. So when everyone has time off, I get to go in and run their equipment. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a connection that I can't have if we're too big. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to me to be connected to pretty much every barrel here, but more so to be connected to everybody who works here. That's cool. So 
connecting to gargoyles. What is that, what is that about? They're supposed to ward off evil spirits, so yeah. I guess that means no bad booze. Right? Yeah, that's so, pretty close. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty close to that. Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely picked up on it. So uh, our holding company is called Gargoyle Enterprises. So um, Laws with Chaos is the DBA, and so gargoyles, you know what they do. They're on churches and other buildings, and they scare off evil spirits, and we're a spirits company, mm -hmm. so drink no evil <laughs> and so and it's a protector around here like you don't realize it's pretty muggy and hot in here everyone can feel that but you also don't see is all the angels that are sitting on top of the barrels here sipping away with big straws <laughs> wow so like the, there's a lot of uh, you know spirituality in this it's spiritual uh, it's spirit and the angels are drinking it that's the angel's share talk about there is there is actually a term angel share right absolutely so what, explain that so when we fill these barrels of 53 gallons, um, the, the barrel itself will absorb two, three gallons of that. And then by the time three or four years rolls around, you know, we only have 60% of that barrel left. So we've lost, you know, somewhere between 18 and 30%. And um, most of that's gone to the angels. And then the barrels, many of us uh, like to have some of these aged these beers and other things aged in barrels, right? That's quite a market for you now, isn't it? To sell these off after they've been aged? Yeah, we get to be like uh, an, kind of an infinitesimal piece of someone else's creative by providing yeah. a barrel that had our our whiskey in it that's made from all Colorado mm. ingredients and has Colorado terroir. And mm. some brewery gets it. Yeah, and, yeah. and we have a very long list of people that we don't think we have any barrels available. And we have a pretty big harvest schedule for third quarter, but they're all spoken for. Mm. Wow. So they get cool. to put their beer in it, and you get to enjoy that, and we get to, you know, kind of ride along or draft off of their amazing talent as well. Yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, you, it seems like you got this pretty buttoned up, right? But you must have, like, what are you still trying to figure out? Uh, well, I'll tell you, selling it isn't as easy as it might look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's a really com complicated business. It's just real work. Uh, I might sound really casual about it, but it isn't. And it's a real work, not for just me, but for everyone on our team. And we're doing really well in Colorado, and we have lots of years of growth left here, but we're also in nine other states, and we're not local there. Hmm. So we have to compete on a yeah. different basis there. So what have you figured out along the way about that? Mostly we're going on quality, and we're going on flavor. So hmm. we're not just selling you whiskey. We're selling you flavors. We're not... We don't, we don't taste like Kentucky bourbon whiskey. We're drier. We're not trying to. They make amazing bourbon whiskey in Kentucky. Why would we try to make what they're making? So our flavors are pretty distinctive. They, they flow from the heirloom grains that we're using, which we pay two to three times market price for commodity for. And those impart unique things. The, the consumer's looking for unique experiences in flavor. Cool. Last question before we go to the audience unless I think of another one. <laughs> Remembering that, that the theme of Proco 360 is featuring world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. You know, what have you experienced about being in Colorado that, that you think works for you? Uh, you know, this state is so amazing in supporting its own businesses and it doesn't matter what scale you want to make a business, uh, make your business around. There's someone who supports you. And... People care about where things come from. They're on the, the alcohol side. They're very discerning. Might be from the craft brewing uh, heritage that's here, but also in the spirit side, they're sophisticated purchasers. Mm -hmm. 
And so everything we do gets vetted through an amazing public hmm. who first embraces you and then will tell you what they do or don't like about it. Hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it's also a very um, business welcoming place. If you look at food industry in general, the number of food companies that have come out of here, I think we rival California. Hmm. Um, we're, we're DSP 24 in the state in spirits. And Wait, what's that mean? That means we're the 24th um, spirits license in the state. Oh, yeah. There are oh, now, whiskey house. Yeah, there are now 117. So is that a bigger, oh, yeah. So in the how many years? In eight years. In eight years, it's quadrupled in size? As far as well, it's, yeah, it's gone you, up by yeah, a What do you lot. make of that? What do you make of that? I think it's the environment. Again, I think it's the, it's the, um, the talent that's here. It's the um, you know wide open. Hey, you can do this. Whether you're making preserves mm-hmm. or you're making something, hmm. do it on a scale, and that makes enough. Yeah. You know, that makes you not go under. And, yeah, yeah, of course. And there's a there's a there's always something under the umbrella that you can exploit. So I got one last question for you. Tell me about your love child, barrel <laughs> barrel one. So yeah, you get to sip on something that we only open. Uh, during the July 4th weekend every year. Mm-hmm. And we've done this for four years now. And it's, a, it's an homage to the fact that, you know, we started from nothing and everyone who comes through our distillery on that weekend gets to try some of the very first. And it excites a lot of people and yeah. be like, oh my God, yeah. it's the first. And yeah. I get to remind everybody, it's the first, but it ain't the best. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then they, don't, they squint their eyes and they like go, well, well, does it mean it's like, oh, no, it's awesome. But if you think this is the best thing we ever made, you're very wrong. And we usually then show them off of against our latest batch and say, this is actually quite better. It's just not quite as old. But this is eight years old, um, almost to the day. And uh, it's kind of a cool thing. And we'll never sell these bottles. We'll only pour them for people to say, here's where we came from. This is, this is our origins. That's Me really and Bill cool. standing around, you know burning our hands or whatever else (laughs) in the first bath. That's really cool. Cheers. Cheers. We're going to take questions after we take a sip. All right. Mm. Yum. Thank you. Delicious. Liquid liquid history. All right. Who's got questions for Al? So I was at the tasting room uh, last week uh, on July 4th weekend, and I was really intrigued to see this Farmer's Select uh, version of the four grain. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about how that uh, expression came to be. Absolutely. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, part of what we do is, is to have really close relationships with all of our suppliers. And the farm, both farms, the Corn Farm and Whiskey Sister Supply, and then the Cody Family Farm, which is Colorado Malting, uh, they're family. And one of the things that we wanted to do is to pay homage to where our whiskey originates from. Again, you talk about Scotland or talk about other places people draw a line to where things come from in this world today you don't really know where most things come from we can tell you the field in which this grain came from and how the people that grew it their ethos to us it was a cool thing to be able to say hey wouldn't this be great if we put out a single barrel version so one of these barrels picked on its own picked by the farmers himself with the marching orders of picking the barrel that tastes most like the grain that they grow that's what farmers selected. Fact, wow. one of our distillers just got back yesterday from the farm with 12 samples he took, and they picked three. And once every maybe six months, uh, Mama Cody picks one. And so she picked one of these. That, 
sells out the first because she picks really sweet and she usually has a lot of stories that go on the label that, you know, uh, I'm going to leave that for the label. But, but yeah, it's a homage to our farmers. It's sold mostly in Colorado, um, but in agricultural states, we've been very surprised that, you know, the interest in that or anywhere interest in farm to table does very well in Boulder. Uh, it's done is, well in Texas. Is farm actually. to table a thing with whiskey? Absolutely. Grain to glass. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, you, know, you think about beer, you know where the beer came from because you know who made it. In the spirits business, 80% of anything sitting in front of you on the shelf, the people that have the label or own the rights didn't make it. They source it from somewhere and put yeah, their own label yeah. on it. So grain to glass means something. It's a pretty big uh, flag that we like to wave. And wow. You can't be grain to glass in a bonded whiskey. So we have five bonded whiskeys now. Other questions? Hi, I'm Tina, and I'm in the people business. So I'm curious, how big is your team, and how do you find your people? That's another great question. We're about 29 people now. It's probably up uh, six or seven from the beginning of the year. Um, we find them in a lot of different ways. Out of state, we've been using like, um, you know, recruitment places to find them. Most people that arrive here in production or um, in the local staff comes from people that we know. Um, as we've got bigger, we've had to uh, branch out into more technical skills and things like that. Like what's a, what's a technical skill that you need to bring in? Well, to me as an, an economist, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. sales is pretty much a technical skill if you ask me. <laughs> so uh, people that have done that a lot and like it's they're just, yeah. there's, when you get a little bit bigger, you get to a point where you see where specialization makes a big difference and you have to, you know, check your own ego. And like, I don't know enough about that and we have to pass off some of this to someone who says, hey, you, you know, you got to lead this for us. And we've been pretty good at that and training our people to be open to the fact that they don't know everything. And on the production side, we don't even hold, sorry, we don't even uh, maintain a head distiller. So we run it like a hockey team. So we'll have five people on the production side, maybe more like six. But um, if you run the production floor, you're the head distiller. So we're imparting, you know, you're accountable and you're accountable not just to me yeah, you're accountable, accountable six years later no you're not <laughs> you can no. pick out a lot of the stuff okay, uh, yeah. in the clear spirit that comes off so mm. but we're we're just empowering people to make sure that the that they're engaged in what they do we want to we want everyone here to be in an engaged environment where they feel not only part of the team but are contributing and, and when you do that in a people say well how do you do that in a team well again I'm originally from Canada, and hockey's pretty near and dear to me. And I'll tell you, you can do it pretty easy. And if you're on this line and you want to make that one, or anyone around our table and our production crew has a say, and people listen to them and they treat them well. And cool. So it's a good thing. So people thing is is probably the thing that in eight years I'm most proud of this village. Like it's a pretty mm -hmm. cool thing when you look around. More so than these barrels. Really cool. Questions, please, Craig. You mentioned servant leadership, and I work with a lot of businesses. You don't hear that term very often. My question is for you, what does that mean for you and the company here? The tone at the top matters, and I'm just yeah. curious in your words, what does that mean? Yeah, like for me, it's like um, there's not a job here that I won't do. And people go, oh, you get to make it. Like, Y'all don't know what it is to be a distiller basically a janitor that makes booze so <laughs> it ain't glamorous 
So there's a lot of hard work here, but there's nothing I'm going to ask anyone else to do that I wouldn't do myself. That's how it starts. And that's, again, some of the hockey ethos or every day is a tryout. Don't rake people over the coals for mistakes. Use them as kind of teaching moments like, hey, this happened, but it could happen to anybody. Let's learn from like why it happened. And I think I used the term earlier. It's like, let's make everyone else's job easier. Get people what they need, not what they want and engage them in a way that uh, you know, makes them feel like a human being, not a, a cog or a zombie, and, and, <laughs> and make sure that, hey, your whole, your whole day is to make the, the next guy's shift or next girl's shift better and easier. If you do that, if everyone does that, again, we have very few uh, conflicts or fights in our whole team. Thanks. Other questions? Hi, Alan, Bob. Thanks. Great, great company. Great, great tasting product. Um, kind of a business question. As, as you look back over the eight years, um, kind of going back, you, you know, starting your business, probably made some mistakes along the way, things that you would do differently. Kind of what's the one or two top things that as you look back, man, if I had done this differently, it would, I'd be this further along or I would be more successful or have great, more, more successful employees. What one or two things do you look at? Um, yeah, like... It started out as something that uh, I was going to do in my, my quote-unquote retirement from, mm -hmm. from Wall Street, and I would get up and do it every day. And then as more people joined, and some fit in, some didn't, um, mostly people that used the term I didn't fit in well. And, but the opportunities pop up, and then you go, we could be this. We, we could be this size. Or like Dave asked, how big do you want to be? There were some chasing growth or some thoughts of, of what that might be. Maybe half, you know, half, four years ago. Today I'm more zen. Like it's like, um, I don't need it to be anything other than have the right people around us. And so that was like a cool thing to go through. And again, some of that was due to this, you know, this tattoo it, on my arm. Uh, are you more zen now that you think you can pay the bills than you were when you started? Uh, you know what? It's more fun when you can't, and you and really, you, and then you gotta like be scrappy. Yeah, yeah. And you gotta figure things out, and you know we still like I wouldn't say we're we're flush by any means, but it's um, you know like there's a, you make mistakes on certain things, and at the beginning you can make mistakes, and it doesn't cost you very much. We're at a stage now where I said earlier to well, the lady asked about the how do we find people. It's like well, we needed professional. Like for out of state, I mean, professional salespeople, because the step into that could, a mistake's $50,000 or something, right? Um, where it was, you know, 5000 before. So as you get bigger or your scale gets a little larger, you, you just have to recognize that, you know, you don't know everything. And so we're, I don't know, we're, I think we're pretty, we're pretty thoughtful about what we do, but. Again, the production side, if something goes wrong in the day, like we, you don't learn anything from doing it right every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not even close. So there's, there's a lot of like, uh, just to be open to it. And it's a good question because can't, there are many, but I can't think of any right now. <laughs> I, I had a, a really successful uncle who used to say, and I've repeated this to my kids, you haven't really learned your lesson until you, till you do it right the next time. Right? Yeah. I mean, does that resonate with you? It absolutely does. And every, like I said, every day is a tryout is yeah. a thing that's written in our in our in our lab at the at the distillery. Yeah. And, it, and that's just it. Mm -hmm. Get up every day. Did you make the team today? 
No, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Don't mean it, nothing. Get up yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Let's do it right next time. Cool. I think that's a good place to wrap up. I'm Dave Tabor, your host on ProCo360. You've been listening to my live audience conversation with Al Laws of Laws Whiskey House, sitting here in this amazing barrel room. Thanks, Al. It was fantastic. Thank you, Dave. It was really fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you had us here. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on ProCo360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to the great Laws Whiskey House for hosting us and to Community Banks of Colorado for sponsoring this live event. Thanks to my ProCo360 guests here in the audience and to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics and Kinsley Meetings, also the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. A special thanks to Matt Legg on sound and recording and with Justin for helping. Thank you. That's the show. (laughs) Live, work, love Colorado. That must be the whiskey, huh? There it is. (laughs) Thanks.